Good morning. I'm good. I, you know, uh, if we live around here, I think this is the kind of church we'd like to be part of. It's a beautiful. Brother Mike, uh, Lori, uh, your leadership, the team, you're doing marvelous. This is great. Uh, I, I really enjoy the early service and this is as well as seeing young people joyful and happy. And, and your, your lead pastor, he wants you to really be involved. Be involved, uh, not just to come and worship and, and uh, literally what I call uh, obese spiritually. Obese intellectually that we do not give. We do not share, we do not go out and do and make a difference in other people's lives. So, uh, yes, I am privileged to work with your pastor and try to help as much as I can for you to be involved in a lot of the areas that I cover working with Baptist Global Response. I cover North Africa, the Middle East, former Soviet Union, and Western uh, Europe as well. And we have a lot of work there, especially in that area, almost the 1040 window where it's a bridge from east to west. People on the move constantly due to crisis. Displays, forcibly displays. But do you know also us as a human, we are forcibly displaced humanity. We are alien. I like this word alien because it sounds like from Mars or something, you know. Love the alien. <laughs> it's a stranger, you know. And so the alien, we refer to him as a refugee. But we are refugee in a, such a, in, in a lot of ways. Because we had a good living in Adam. Beautiful garden that God created. Nice things. He doesn't have to work to do anything. Whatever he wants is there for him. In the presence of God. In dialogue and relationship with God. And a crisis struck. Maybe started with beautiful lady. Eve. Or maybe with a desire to have more. Is the water that we live in constantly. The tension in us. He disobeyed. And God, if you read the beginning on Genesis there, you see, he said he drove him out of the garden. Forced out to the place where he was taken from and created by God. A place where he described as literally a lot of pain and misery. You work, you toil, and then you sweat, and then it will give you thorn. It's not easy living. You know, sometimes we get the flu bug. And all of a sudden we find ourselves like, oh, what is life? I'm really struggling. I'm dying. My world is crippling. We pray a lot. We're asking God what's going on in our life. Life is a fragile. We're not meant to live in this earth. I was in PI just more than a week ago. Prince Edward Island. Yes, in Canada. Eastern Canada. It's a beautiful little island. Canada is just beautiful in the sense... Not a lot of people there. <laughs> Empty landscape. I love it. As I came to your beautiful stage, I just saw, yeah, I said, this resembles like Canada. It's a little bit wide open spaces, not that crowded in a way. And so we enjoyed it. With my wife sitting there, I said, hey, look, there's two love seats there facing the water, greenery and all that. Let's just sit and relax. And we just barely sat. Black flies, mosquitoes, I mean, you and I, 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 I don't like this kind of thing, you know. I'm a, I'm a city boy. 
So I grew up in a city of, of six million, you know, and uh, uh, most of my life live in cities. One of the largest cities I live in Istanbul, 15, and now they say 20 million. So I'm a city boy. So I love it, but I couldn't enjoy that. Now, why is that? Because it's a fallen creation. Creation that in pain and in agony, longing to be in that place where we belong to. We're alien. We're forced to displace humanity because of the sin in our life. We're alienated from God, if you will. And just think of God and his mighty love for us. If he ever decided and said, you know what? Forget it. Let's create a new creature or a new human being. He could have done that. He's God. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to start the process of restoring man to me. Restoring woman to me. You're restoring humanity to me. I'm going to start the process through the United Nations, if you will know. Through the blood of Jesus. To give you a heavenly citizenship. See, it's sad sometimes. There's a lot of argument on refugees and, oh, their security is threatened to us. I mean, they threat us, whatever. And so, but the same individual who's, we are afraid of him, he end up in one country and he gets passport, different passport, piece of paper. Now he can cross freely. So that piece of paper makes a difference, basically. Isn't it sad? I mean, we're talking about security. It's a piece of paper identifying who you are and where we classify you, whether you're danger or not. And some... In a way, God restoring us through Jesus Christ. You have a Christ in you. It makes a difference. You cross to heaven. You cross to eternal life. In Luke, when the disciples, 70 of them, Jesus appointed them and he sent them out to go and do miracles and he gave them authority. They were just happy like little kids, you know, said, the demon, we're casting demon in your name and they're running away. So they were happy. And Jesus, he said, listen, don't rejoice because of this. Rejoice because your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice because you have the blood of Jesus Christ. You are my children and you are coming home. Don't you ever think for a second this is home. It's not. It's not home. I mean, sometimes people they ask me, Abraham, where is your home? Yes, I was born in northern Syria. But I visited Syria after 30 plus years when the crisis in Syria. And we have a lot of work happening in Syria. In Ground Zero was where the largest refugee displacement since the Second World War. There are close to 4 or 5 million refugees came out of Syria. But inside Syria, 10 million internally displaced people. Who do not have international protection. Do not have, do not have an organization helping them. They are the poorest of the poor. Don't have the mean even to leave the country. And we have people working there. We have people working there. I praise God who gave us the privilege to be able to help people, to lead them, not only in feeding and clothing and shelter and medicine. And I thank God for your church who contribute generously to our work. And, and, and we're grateful for that. But we like to take refugee into the true resettlement process. Going home to where we belong. Was us as part of the family of Christ. You see, if it's just we stop on that one level of shelter, food, and medicine, and water. All creatures, they want that. Even the animals desire that. But God, he take us beyond that.
to restore us, to have a relationship with him. Spiritual restoration, emotional, psychological, made us right. And that's what we try to do. It's a holistic approach to their situation. And God, he took the initiative. God, he took the initiative. God, in, in Philippians chapter 2, he came to our world. He humbled himself, taking the image of man. He came to our world, obey unto death, and not any kind of death, but death on the cross. To restore us to himself. We the alien. We are the refugee who are living in the land where it does not belong to us. With a lot of pain, germ, bacteria, disease, a fragile life. For sure we're going to die. I know that. You see, sadly in the Western world we camouflage this even. Even this. I mean, I'm shocked. Uh, we, we, we make it so nice and very clean and very quickly done. And so let's not meditate on it too much. But a man born to die. These two facts is there. You cannot deny that. Yes, they celebrate, we celebrate Father's Day. Yes, sometimes they celebrate my birthday, which I feel like, why we're celebrating? I'm going to die. <laughs> but I look at it from this perspective. I'm happy because I'm going to reunite with my Lord and Savior. I'll be where I belong with him. That's the joy. That's the joy. You see, God took the initiative and he showed us love and mercy in our life. And sadly, in today, in our world we live in, there's very little mercy left. Love is very scarce. More hate, more evil. Satan almost displays himself, display himself in a, such a vulgar way. We see it on TV from chopping head, from shedding of blood, from killing and war and famine and all of that. And for us, God gave us the privilege to make a difference. Another story in the Bible, in Luke chapter 10, give us a picture of a person who approached Jesus and said to him, what is the process for me to get back to that home? I'm a refugee, I'm an alien. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Luke chapter 10, a lawyer. And he doesn't know the process, which sometimes, yeah, they don't. <laughs> okay. I don't have anything against a lawyer, but sometimes they don't know the process. <laughs> I mean, literally, we help them in that process to understand how it works. And every country has a different process. Refugees have struggled through all these processes. And so this lawyer came, and Jesus said to him, Okay, you're the lawyer, so as you're reading, what did you interpret there? What do you understand from it? What's the summary of things? He knew it right away. He said, Well, to love your God from all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strengths. And what else? Well, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's a summary. Maybe you should image, uh, uh, have in, in your mind the cross, you know. Basically, the love that vertical, our relationship with God, but the love that's horizontal as well. Our love for other fellow human beings in that journey of life. You struggle with that second one. We come to church, we worship God. It's okay. We have no problem there. We worship Him, we praise Him, we thank Him for our salvation, our name written in the book of life. But that second part, love your neighbor as yourself, I'm struggling with that. And for that, He asked Him, tell Him, So who's my neighbor then? Can you define for me? 
is he my fellow Jewish man? Or is it my lawyer club? Is he the American neighbor to me? Or is he a Muslim that we don't like? Is he the enemy? Who's my neighbor? And yes, Jesus, he gave him the story of the Good Samaritan. And he showed him a priest came and he saw this person in need. This refugee in need. This person in crisis. Whatever you put name or title in it. Somebody in pain and struggling. Would that move you to do something? Well, the priest, he said, well, I'm busy. I'm focusing on my vertical relationship. I'm a priest, you know, talking to God. And so he moved. If you read the story, he moved from one side of the road to the other side to avoid that. Because I don't want to see it. It bothered me. Because if I come close to it, maybe I get dirty as well in the process. I don't want that. A Levite, the same thing. They clean the temple. They, they, they make sure all of the details follow. And how you approach God and all of that. The same thing. He moves. He doesn't want to be bothered with that. It happened to us with my wife. We live in Toronto. Just like all of you. We are really cut out with that world that give us to focus on me, 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 meism, individual life, you know. And so just like all of you, we reach that. My wife, she was working downtown Toronto, which is basically like uh, uh, Wall Street, uh, uh, New York for us in Canada. Very good income. Good life. I had my own also work. Good income, good life. And then we're looking and watching TV, sitting, and just dawn on me. I'm looking and said, we have so many bedrooms, and we sleep in only one bedroom. It's just a question. And if you look on the highway, everybody driving one car. Well, we have three cars, and it was just me and her. I like my fast car. She likes her rugged Jeep. And then we have another one for the family in case we go camping with two little kids, you know. But then, yeah, I, 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 just the things that we cut out in this world. And my neighbor, he doesn't like I have three cars. Sometimes I park a little bit on the grass. And he said, oh, there's grass left. He didn't cut it. So there's no uniformity. So we go through all kinds of issues. We build fences, you know. We build, it's not just a border as a country. We build even fences, border in our home. We don't want to relate to anybody. Oh, you move your, your fence a little bit. You took a piece of my land. So we go to court over that. It's amazing what happened to us, you know. It's amazing what happened to us. We've been taught and pushed to be that border-focused individual living. Just me. To the point we don't need even God. I don't want to bother with anybody. So the same thing. We felt almost our conscience died on us. Our heart becomes solidified. Doesn't have a feeling and emotion. And I look at my wife and I'm saying, like we're seeing people on TV. They're dying, suffering, living in a tent. Refugees can live in a tent for years. In the Syrian crisis, you have children. This is the eighth year they've never been in a school. I look at my wife. She was in tears, and I was in tears. Because for a long time, when we see suffering, we said, okay, switch. Let's see a hockey game. There's something else to watch. Because I don't want that heart to be touched. I don't want my conscience or, or my comfort, you know, something to bother me. I don't want to be bothered. I want to be entertained. It doesn't took us more than six months, literally. Because we felt convicted by God. If he call us today home, what we'll show God? I have three cars. We have dual income. We have a big bank account. What I will show God? With the blessing that he blessed me with. You know, sometimes we don't pre-order our hard drive. 
our hard drive is given by God. And even where you're born, you don't decide that. You could have been born in Syria or somewhere else and you're the refugee who's waiting for help. Have you ever thought of that? We have all this wealth, all this richness, but most importantly living in a land of free that I can accept Jesus, praise Jesus, and love Jesus. When many of these refugees are Muslim background, if they dare to think of Jesus, they could lose their life. All of that, what I will show God. I realize my bank account in heaven is really zero. I don't know about your bank account in heaven. What do you have when you come to meet the Lord, your Savior? What do you have to offer him? You see, the priest, he wants to go to the other way. The Levite, he wants to go the other way. The Samaritan person, the only difference is one word that says there, he felt compassion. It's an emotional thing that tug on his heart. God is a God of compassion. When we say God is love, define that love. Love is a, it's a powerful thing that moves you to do crazy stuff. People, they told me, Abraham, how come we, when we have, when there is a crisis, you always go there in the opposite direction where everybody's fleeing? Are you not afraid? Yes, I am, but I don't dwell on that. I remember when I met my wife. That emotional thing drove me crazy because I want to be always around her. I create all kind of circumstances to be around her, you know. Where's that girl? I won't talk to her, you know. Just like foolish the way you act, you know. The same way when you crave for pizza or burger or something, you go like, you're acting in a foolish way. Hey, I'm hungry, I want to eat, you know. But why not the thing of God? When it comes to the thing of God, we don't have that powerful emotion that drive us to do something. Yes, even if it sounds foolish to men. They think we're stupid. We're crazy, my family and our relatives, that we sold everything. Our home, our possession, our car within six months. We grabbed our luggage and we went there for God to use us among the refugees. And hurting world out there. We did that. And we love that. We love it every, I mean, I, I laugh with my friends. I said, you know, I already downsized everything. I don't need to downsize later on, you know. I mean, some of my uh, friends, they have a bigger and bigger and bigger house. Well, at one point, you have to downsize that, you know. <laughs> you downsize it to that half a meter by two meters, you know, how much you can fit in there. I don't know. <laughs> but that's the reality of things, you know. We left with joy because God stuck on our heart and we made that decision. But sometimes you wait and sometimes you let your mind who've been poisoned in, in the system that I just described, in the way we live, that really start reasoning and debating, saying, wait a second here. Well, Abraham, what will happen to you like when you retired? How is your retirement? How you live, you know? You start questioning all of that, just like the Samaritan person. If he stopped for a second, said, wait a second. If I cross there to that person in need and I did something, well, maybe in the process I will be liable. Uh, maybe they would say, you did kill him and you did beat him up and rob him. Because I'm, I'm already seen as an enemy. It's almost like you coming and working with the refugee and the Muslim world and said, well, you're an American. So an American labeled as bad and enemy and, and, and infidel. So you must be maybe the one who ruining those people, you know. Or the other thing, well, it will cost me money. 
Or maybe I'm going on a journey, I have a job, and I lose my job. So all kind of reasons. I don't know what issue you're dealing with, but we are crippled by fear. To the point we don't do anything. We're crippled by fear from the media and what they present to us. In Syria, as we work, I meet these doctors and, and engineers and people who, who love Jesus just like you and I. And I ask them, like, why are you not leaving? I wish one day you'll meet them, and you will meet them, I'm sure. And they tell you why. Because that thing that's in their heart, my God who came, left his throne to save me. That's the least I can do. And they took me to the street of Damascus, the street called the Strait. And they show me, they said, that's the house where Ananias was living there. A disciple who never ran away. This is the same street where Paul, the criminal, ISIS type, who came to kill Christians, that's where Jesus appeared to him in heaven and blinded him. We believe in the power of Jesus to change these people for Christ. Do we believe that? Would God move you today? To make that radical decision. Detour from the routine of life. Said, you know what? Let's change. Let's do something radical. The same way God, he did something radical, came to my world. Let me make a difference. Let me join and go for refugee. Let me join with the local ministry to refugee. Let me do something in, in honoring God and in serving God and serving hurting humanity. Humanity that alienated from God could be your neighbor, could you be your co-workers. Make the difference, take the initiative. The Samaritan took the initiative. And it cost him. And sometimes, you know, when we follow God, fearless for God, it may cost us something. It will cost us maybe money. Maybe it will cost you your job. And you know, sometimes they say, Abraham, be careful. This is politically not correct. I said, watch me. I'll say it again. Maybe it's a time for a Christian to go to jail over serving our Lord and Master and King, Lord Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Early Christianity did that. I wish you meet some of those a new believer in Christ that coming from Muslim background as a refugee and you see them fearless for Christ. Lost everything. Lost their family. Lost their loved one. But they're not afraid even to go to jail and to lose their life. Are we willing to do that? Are we ready to do that? What Jesus told this lawyer after he was searching for that process to, 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 to come to, to the place where he belonged to, to have eternal life. He said, who's among those people is the neighbor they sing? He said, the guy who show mercy. We are in the mercy business. Would you show mercy to suffering world around you or beyond. He knew is the person who show mercy. Our God show us mercy. Why don't we show it to others? And then he commanded him to go and do the same. My prayer that when you leave, if God touch your heart, that you will go and do the same, no matter what the cost, no matter what the price, no matter what thought or process goes to your head, let God move you. When your heart feels this is the right thing to do, just do it. 
I'm not advertising for the logo, just do it, Nike. <laughs> just do it for the Lord. Show mercy to refugees. Show mercy to the suffering people. Show mercy to your friend and co-workers who are alienated from God. Tell them about the process to see God and meet God. And let me finish with a story that touched my heart. There's many stories, and I don't know where to start really. A faithful, a lady who decided to stay in northern Iraq as ISIS took over that part of the world. Killed many people. Literally, overnight shelling landed. Just like this person, the Samaritan, you know, he did not plan, said, oh, today I'm going to go out so people can kill me and rob me and then beat me. No, it wasn't in his mind. Many of these people, refugees, they never planned to leave their countries, you know. Just about to do their business. And overnight they said shelling start and bombing. And all of a sudden people start coming and killing. And we run for our life. Just like beautifully, uh, uh, Lord, she, she, she uh, led us with this exercise. And literally, I wish I can show you some pictures. They slept in their, in their, in their car with their babies. Some of them who, who has managed to get with the car. Other they walk, and I see one, one little girl, her face burned from the sunshine because three days was walking. All her skin burned from the sunshine. We found them under the bridge, and we found them in the basement, and the abandoned building, and everywhere they tried to, uh, to hide. And Faithful was among them. And I said with Faithful, I said, tell me what happened. She said, I sent my husband, sent everybody, and I said, well, I'm a woman. Maybe they will let me go. But no, I came back, and I saw them. They had my daughter in their hand. They doused her with gasoline, and they set her on fire. We tried to save my daughter, rushed her to the hospital. For one month, I stayed with her, changing her bandage, putting lotion on her and everything. And last days, I saw she's much better. She turned to me with a big smile. I said, wow, my daughter's getting better. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, forgive them. You see, the concept of forgiveness and love and mercy is foreign to many of these refugees. Foreign in their belief, but it's powerful. It changed their life. Face what she's doing wonder. She's sharing her testimony. But her husband, who doesn't know Jesus, he's alien, he's a refugee in a lot of ways, spiritually refugees. And literally refugees. He doesn't know Jesus. He's struggling, she said. He's struggling and he's really in trouble. But not faithful. I promise her to tell her story. What your story will be. What you will do as you leave this place. If you really feel God touch your heart. And you want to say, yes, Lord, use me. I want to show mercy. I want to be used by you. I want to take detour. Change my life and focus on you no matter what the cost. Pray with me. I invite you even to stand and just declare that to the Lord as we pray together. Heavenly Father, I praise you. I thank you. I bow before you and I honor you for who you are, the God of love and mercy. I thank you for taking the initiative to come and show us the way to you. We praise you for that. And I praise you, Lord, for your words so powerful that speak to all of us. And I pray for the man and woman who you touch with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that may your li- their life be pleasing to you 
may be used as a, a holy tool, pure tool in your mighty hand for your glory. May the people who will be encountered with them smell the fragrance of Christ and know you as Lord and Savior as they go about showing mercy and giving their life to you, Lord. Thank you and I praise you for this church. May you protect the staff and the leaders and everybody that come here, Lord. May they honor you and glorify you in everything they say and we do, they do. And thank you for the privilege to be with them and to partner with them in expanding of your kingdom for your glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen.